Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome home. This is Tracy, and we want to thank you for being a part of the Life Together podcast. Before we get into this week's teaching, we want you to know that you matter to God and you matter to us. Life Together is a Wednesday evening gathering for worship, Bible study, and community here at Oak Creek Assembly of God in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. We have a a heavy topic um, from the Word of God tonight. Um, The Lord wants to speak to us about the topic of suffering and the pain that we experience, not just as people, but specifically God's people. And pain is something that none of us want to experience. It's, It's uncomfortable. It's harmful. We do everything that we can to escape pain if it's in our power, right? God created our brains with something called the sympathetic nervous system that gives us the automatic response to either run away or to freeze just to save us from stress and pain. God created us to not want to be in pain. And yet here in this world, as long as we live in this world, this unredeemed place, we will experience pain and suffering. And I think somehow God's speaking so much of suffering in his word is a little comforting of God saying, I see you, I see you in suffering. And I have a plan for you, and I have a will that supersedes over any pain, any suffering. And even more than that, I'm going to use your pain and your suffering to bring glory to my name and save others that they could join me in heaven. That's the kind of God we serve. So we're going to be talking about suffering tonight from, from what we're reading about in 1 Peter and knowing that pain is an inescapable part of a Christian's life in this world. We've actually been studying through 1 Peter. Next week will be our last uh, week in this letter. But Peter is writing to an audience of people who had escaped persecution. So back in this day, Christians weren't liked. They weren't understood. Um, They were heavily, heavily persecuted, hunted down like animals, and even fed alive to animals and burned alive, and just like horrible things. And who would think of doing that to another human being kind of suffering? And so these people would have most likely been saved on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem and then went back to their hometowns with the message of Christ still burning in their hearts as they decided to follow Christ. And yet upon returning home, they experienced heavy persecution, heavy pain, and heavy brokenness. And so they wanted to relieve themselves of this persecution, save their families, and get their kids in safe places. And so they fled to places in modern-day Turkey. And this is where they settled in to to escape the pain that the Roman persecution was coming down on them. And the person who first preached to them in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, Peter, stood up and preached on the day of Pentecost. And 5,000 people gave their hearts to Jesus that day. This apostle writes to them this letter saying, I see you've been suffering. I see that you're diligently following the Lord Jesus, and I want you to know, don't be surprised by it. In fact, God is pleased with you in your suffering, that you're laying down your life for the glory of God, and this is how you are to deal with suffering. To sum it up, Peter is saying, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, 
If you've been baptized into the faith of Jesus Christ, if you have sat at the communion table with the body of Christ, you will experience suffering. Therefore, suffer as Jesus suffered for us. Let's go ahead and pray before we get into this. Lord, I love you so much. I love you, God, because you don't speak to us from just on high, but Lord, you stood in our shoes in our broken shoes, in our painful shoes. You came in the midst of of our messy world and you brought your light and your hope and you died for our sins. You suffered for us that we could be relieved of suffering and be with you someday and I praise you for that. God, I know this is a really sensitive topic that there's people in this room who are suffering at just a variety of levels. And God, I pray that they would feel encouraged tonight, that they would hear your Holy Spirit in a special way. And Father, I pray by your power that you would bring encouragement and joy and healing in the midst of pain and brokenness here. And Lord, that you would restore hope. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I'd like you to read with me 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 and on. Peter writes, Now who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember... It is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. In other words, Jesus isn't handing out easy passes to relieve us from suffering in this life. In fact, Jesus is saying it is guaranteed that we will suffer. And Jesus also said he would never leave us or forsake us and that Jesus has overcome the world and we can be encouraged in that. To experience grief and pain is indeed to be close to the heart of Christ. Mother Teresa was incredibly familiar with human suffering. She moved to places that had the most devastating human poverty and human suffering that the world knows about. And this is something that Mother Teresa said. She said, pain and suffering have come into your life, but remember, pain, sorrow, suffering are but the kiss of Jesus, a sign that you have come so close to him that he can kiss you. As followers of Christ, we are called to not only rejoice in suffering, but to embrace it. And so I just want to take a second and, and talk about what this is for a minute. Uh, suffering can be like a whole spectrum of things. Like you go to the doctor and if you're in pain or you're sick, the doctor is going to say, well, what level of pain are you between a 1 and a 10? Because it's based off of your experience, the pain that you're experiencing, right? And in our souls, in our heart and in our emotions, we can go on, on the same scale, we can go from meh to soul-wrenching, gut-wrenching, internal pain that we can't even put into words that only is left for poets to be able to pen on paper. And this spectrum of suffering can can come from within us, the things that trouble us, the things that harm us inside and our feelings and the way that we think about life and our experiences and the trauma that we may have internalized from what other people have done for us. 
And then suffering can also come upon us from outside, someone hurting us intentionally, someone saying words that, that is gut-wrenching and, and hurtful. Suffering can come from inside and outside. Suffering can exist tucked away carefully behind a smile. The suffering that happens screaming silently within our hearts and minds while we smile and wave at those around us. Suffering can happen on the outside, visible to all with sickness and, and things that hinder our bodies, physical pain. So today we're going to take a few minutes and look at how we are to suffer as a Jesus follower. The what of suffering, the how of suffering, and the why of suffering. So first of all, what causes pain? Especially as Christians, what causes Christians to be in pain and brokenness experiencing that? The first, the first way that we can experience suffering is as a result of sin. Sin can cause our pain. Everybody sins. Suffering came into our lives as a consequence of our own personal sin and from the sin of other people. We get suffering from both directions. Suffering is a consequence of the things that we do that are ungodly or have done in the past that's still bearing consequence on our lives. And then sin can also, or suffering can also be a cause of other people's sin falling out and affecting our lives, uh, bringing pain and brokenness. Peter writes in 3.17, remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Sometimes we can be the own, our own cause of suffering from the sin in our life. And, you know, like sometimes we can lash out in anger without thinking. Um, it's not wrong to be angry, but the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. Sometimes we lash out without thinking or even with thinking. And we can't take words back that breeds its own contempt in our relationships. Sometimes we might lash out at our boss and might lose our job, right? Sometimes we can give into addictions and lust and jealousy and temptations. And sins have natural consequences of physical pain and broken relationships and spiritual sickness. And here Peter is reminding us and, and the church back in his day, just the church in general, that suffering isn't coming as a always as a consequence of actions that we could have pre prevented by doing good instead of wrong. So even more so, we can sometimes experience pain at the cruelty of others, that, that there's people I know in this room who have experienced suffering because someone intended you harm and damaged you and damaged your soul and damaged your body and your feelings and your identity and that kind of suffering. God sees that. And he wants you to know that he sees that. And he is your healer and he is faithful. And he takes the broken things and the shameful things and the things that causes pain and makes it into something beautiful that turns into a testimony of his goodness and his faithfulness in your life. Sin causes suffering guaranteed as often as the sun rises in the morning. Sin will cause suffering every single time. It's fun at first. Sure, even the Bible says that sin is fun for a season, but in the end, it leads to death. Another cause of suffering as a Christian can be the result of persecution. Persecution here in America normally feels like pressure, caving in on the values that Jesus teaches us is godly and good. The, the pressure to conform or the threat that by following Christ that we might experience um, social ostracism or, or being persecuted, talked about, shut out of social circles. I was actually browsing in the news, which 
Lord, thank you for your timing for a good sermon illustration. Um, but in the news this morning, there was a, a doctor who lost her license because she couldn't, in her ethical thinking as far as her relationship with Jesus, she couldn't sign off that she agreed with something, and they took her doctor's license away. There's still persecution that happens in America when people stand up for Jesus. There's an international organization called the Voice of the Martyrs. It's a nonprofit interdenominational missions organization that serves the persecuted Christians around the world, making their stories known. If you look at them on look for them online, there's prayer lists, people that you can be praying for, nations that you can be praying for, because our body, our Christian family is suffering in different places of the world, being thrown into prisons, torn apart from their families, and even suffering unto death. This is not something that just happened in the Bible times. It's still it's still happening. Suffering can also be caused as a result of mistaken actions, that, that whoops that we, we do that can cause discomfort. Sometimes we might sleep past our alarm. There's nothing wrong with sleeping past our alarm, unless if we do it on purpose, right? Then we're just procrastinating waking up. But when you forget to set your alarm and then you wake up and you're late for work and then you get reprimanded from your boss or you miss a meeting or something you should have been at, that can feel like suffering. That's uncomfortable. Sometimes we can misplace our keys and have to hire a locksmith to open a door. I did that twice in college. Once was in the morning. I locked my keys in the car, hired a locksmith who came out, and I, like, I didn't have any money in college. So here I am paying for something stupid, you know? And then uh, it was that night. I did it again, and the same locksmith came and opened my car door for me again. Oh, it was a bad day. That, that mistake led to financial suffering for me. Uh, the other day, uh, earlier this week, we're in parent-teacher conferences at schools. And so on Monday, I was, I was at my school site, and I, you know, it's this season. Monday, it snowed. This weekend, it's warm, right? And so, like, I'm not always wearing my coat. And so I'm not used to the routine of what it's like to make sure that I have my coat with me and my bag and all the things. You know, I just have been walking out the door all summer without a coat. So I walked into school with a coat and with my keys nicely put in the pocket and then I walked out of school and the door closed behind me and I was like what am I forgetting and I forgot I forgot my coat inside the school and the school locks behind me and my key card stops working at a certain time and the parking lot is dark and empty and there's just a couple people left in the building so I'm like emailing my coworkers inside I was like can you let me in and this slight suffering it's a small amount of suffering but it was really cold and it was really windy and I didn't know if I'd be able to get inside again it was kind of scary it was downtown school area and, um, and for a moment there, I was just like, what, what's going to happen? Like, what's the worst case scenario and how can I avoid it? And this teacher did get my email in time, came to the door and let me in. And I just imagine what it would have been like for her to maybe explain to me, like, well, if you were more attentive and a little bit more organized, like, this is really your own fault that you got stuck outside in the cold. And I, I'm sorry that happened to you, but that's a consequence I know it was a consequence of mine, and she didn't actually tell me that. But how often do we do that to people around us of, oh, you made a mistake, and and so you're experiencing this because it's a consequence of of what you did. And I think about the suffering that comes uh, to some who make mistakes, but they don't have access that they need to find the comfort or to provide resources for themselves, which brings us to the next cause of Christian suffering, 
And that is the result of compassion and empathy. In response to others undergoing suffering or the ill effects of sin in the world, we feel a deep sense of empathy and compassion and pity for those around us who are lost without Christ. Empathy is standing in someone else's shoes to imagine what kind of pain and brokenness they are feeling and offer some relief, offer some hope in the midst of that. And this makes me think about Jesus, who left heaven to stand in our human shoes. He experienced hunger and discomfort. He experienced sleepless nights. He experienced the suffering of temptation, the suffering of physical torment and death. And all of his suffering was born out of his compassion and his empathy for us, being far from God. He stood in our shoes and experienced that pain and that brokenness because of of the burning in his soul for us, of, of love. 1 Peter 3.18 says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. And suffering as a Christian can be a result of godly understanding of sin in the world. We, we call this mourning when our hearts are so heavy. This is not a comfortable place to be. This is hard and broken. We experience what other people experience. When we as Christians understand how sin rocks our world to the core and, the, and how sin affects the rest of the world without the hope of Jesus Christ or the knowledge of Christ, we can feel that weight of grief in our own souls and how heartbreaking it is. You know, we just wrapped up Missions Week last week, and I feel like all this is just really fresh on my mind of how there's billions of people out there who, who haven't even heard the name of Jesus, let alone who he is and what he wants to give to the world. You know, we have, we have a church family here. Um, we have some friends in this group tonight who have given their lives to go overseas to tell people about Jesus. We have um, the McKinstries are over there right now. They, they left their family, their two wonderful daughters, and they, they had to give up spending a daily life with them because they knew that God's will for them was to be in a different country sharing the hope of Christ. They chose to embrace suffering and loss in order to find joy in following Jesus. What causes suffering for Christians is sin, persecution, mistakes, and empathy. Which brings us to our second point is, if we're going to experience pain and brokenness as Christians, how are we to suffer like Jesus suffered? If we're called to suffer like Jesus, how are we supposed to bear that? How, what does that look like? And Peter lays it out. So first of all, worship Christ as the Lord of our life. Our first response to suffering is to worship. Peter writes, but even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Give a reason for the hope. When we worship, we just reaffirm what our hope is in Christ. We started off our, our worship service tonight talking about how we experience hard things, but Jesus is faithful, and we start to worship Christ, and we realize we have hope in the middle of all of this mess. No matter what trial we're facing, no matter what hardship, no matter what pain, Jesus is our hope and Jesus never ever leaves and he gives us joy in the midst of it. We are to worship Christ as the Lord of our life and to give a, a reason for the hope that we have. And I love how Peter says this because he says, be prepared 
to give a reason for the hope that you have. Be prepared. So that means even now if you're in here and you're not experiencing suffering for being a Christian, be prepared. Share your reason of hope with the world. Like talk to your kids about why you have your faith in Jesus. Like what's your personal story? How did Jesus meet you where you are? How did Jesus change your life? Talk to your kids about it. Talk to your grandkids. Talk to your neighbors. Talk to your coworkers. Practice sharing the reason that you have a hope in Christ. And when suffering comes, when suffering comes, the Lord will remind you the reason for your hope. And you can give a good answer to those around you. And Peter says how we are to give our answer. He says, be gentle and respectful. We are not to bear the cross of Christ like a battering ram. Secondly, we are to embrace suffering as Jesus chose to suffer. I was listening to the, the news the other day, secular news, and it was talking about this lady from Ukraine, a refugee immigrant from Ukraine. And she was in Ukraine when Russia invaded the country. And so she and her three girls were able to get out of the country. And so they were waiting in a place in Europe until they could be placed somewhere safe. And so uh, they had some representatives come and say, hey, we found a safe location for you and your girls to go until your country is safe again. And they said, we're going to send you to Brazil. And her response was this. She said, the first thing I thought was Brazil? What? Brazil? Maybe Germany or Poland? No, I'm not going to Brazil. I don't know anyone in Brazil. I don't know anything about it. But then I thought, if this is what God wants, then I will go. In the midst of her suffering on the news, she says, if this is what God wants, then I will go. Lord, if the suffering is what you want, if the self-denial is what you want, if that place is where you want me to go, I will go. In the midst of her suffering, she finds hope in her, in her story of the Lord and his work in her life. Self-denial is to do the will of God. We need to submit to the authority of God at work in our life. The next way we are to suffer is to self-reflect. Make sure that your suffering isn't self-inflicted. I think a lot of times we become our own victims. We can be a little bit self-righteous about our suffering of like, I didn't have any part in this. And sometimes suffering is like that. Sometimes we're not responsible for the pain and the brokenness in our life. But sometimes our mouth can get ahead of us a little bit. Maybe our actions aren't quite as gentle as it needs to be or the words that we project aren't as kind as what they need to be. And pain and brokenness might, might be a result of some other things going on in our life. If we're experiencing pain or broken relationships, I think one of the first things that Jesus is challenging us to do is say, is, is there something, Lord, that I need to change, that I need to repent of, something I'm doing that's causing this? And then if the answer is no, then glorify God and say, Lord, if this is the cup you would have me to drink, then help me to have the strength to drink it. Another way we're supposed to suffer as Christians is, is to do the will of God instead of giving in to our own desires. 1 Peter chapter 4, 7-11 through 11 says, The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. 
Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. The will of God in the midst of our suffering is to pray, serve, speak, show deep love for others, to work even in the midst of our own pain and discomfort. Sometimes we just need a minute. We just need to sit down and process the pain and the brokenness we're feeling. But God calls us not to sit and stew in that. God calls us to continue working, to continue loving, continue showing hospitality, continue to serve. And in our outward action, we're really showing our faith of, God, suffering does not have control of my soul. I trust you that you're going to take care of this, and I'm going to keep on being diligent to the things that you have called me to do. Another way that we suffer as Christians is we suffer by denial of sin, being dead to sin and alive in Christ. We need to know that our family and friends will desert us. When we start following Jesus, if your closest family and friends um, are close to you and and you used to do things with them that were sinful activities or, or gossiping or being involved in things that are ungodly, unholy, and then all of a sudden Jesus gets a hold of your life and your behaviors change, your actions change, you start to not participate in certain things, your family and friends are not gonna understand that. They're, they might mock you for it. They might not invite you to do things with them anymore. And as much as we understand the why, it, it's still really hurtful. Peter 4.4 4 says, of course your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. They're confused. They feel abandoned. They disagree. And they feel convicted. They might feel convicted. They might think that you think that you're better than they are, and they might feel that you're judging them. Because we still live in a world that has not been fully made right with God, sin came into the world through human free will, choosing what was pleasurable over what was godly, and we still live in that same world. We still live in a world that seeks power and pleasure and favoritism and fame and self-glory and fortune. And unfortunately, we still live in our natural bodies. Even as Christ followers, we still live in these fleshly bodies that still craves power, pleasure, favoritism, fame, glory, and fortune. That's why the Bible tells us not to die once to ourselves. It says, die daily to yourself. Put aside those those temptations every single day. If you wake up tomorrow and you're still being tempted with the same temptation that you gave to God today, Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised, but give it over to the Lord again and again and again. Choose Christ. Turn from sin. Keep going. Be authentic in your suffering. Oh, this is probably one of my favorite ones at church. Be authentic in your suffering. Don't try to hide your suffering for fear of losing your witness or appear weak faith. I think we're really good at doing this, of not doing this, (laughs) of coming to church and and people will be like, how are you today? And you like, we're just crying in your car. And you come in and you're like, I'm, I'm good. I'm blessed. God is good. And yes, all of those things are true. But there's suffering that happens. And, and Jesus wants us to share the burden and share the load with people who love you and who love Jesus and who can carry that load with you. So be authentic in your suffering. 
Know that it's hard, and that's okay. It's okay. It doesn't mean that you have a weak faith or you're not walking right with God. Another way we are to suffer is to persevere. Keep following Jesus. Keep doing what's right. Keep the faith. Corey Ten Boom was a, um, a lady during World War II who, whose family went through the Holocaust at one of the concentration camps. She lost most of her family to the concentration camps. And when God saved her and rescued her from that experience, she became a worldwide evangelist. And I love what she says about experiencing suffering. She says, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the engineer. And in modern vernacular, we can say, when a plane ride experience, when a plane ride experiences turbulence and the ride gets scary bumpy, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You gotta trust the pilot. So don't abandon ship if you're feeling that pressure and that that darkness and that bumpy ride. Don't abandon the Lord. Keep on keeping on. Through the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Keep keep pressing in. Keep knowing that God is with you. You will be tested in your faith. You will experience suffering, but that doesn't mean that you're not necessarily where you're supposed to be. It might, be, it might mean that you're exactly where God wants you to be, whatever is the will of God. And now we come to the why. Why do Christians suffer? And Peter addresses this in uh, verses 1 and 2. He says, So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you had suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. And that's the beauty of following Jesus, is that he doesn't necessarily take the pristine and the perfect and the pure to himself. He takes the broken and the painful and the scarred and the suffering and turns all of that into something worthwhile. He turns all of that into the glory of God, that the world would know who Christ is and the power of his resurrection. I want you to imagine something with me. I want you to imagine that you're standing in a stream. And I don't know, you're collecting rocks or crawdads. And you're standing in the stream and you're walking downstream. And it's an easy walk. You can feel the water flowing beneath your legs. And when you pick up your foot and put it down, it's just easy. It's easy to go with the water. But when you turn around and you start walking upstream, you feel the pressure. You feel the water pressuring against you and wanting to force you to go the other way, but you keep walking, and your muscles might start burning, and you might slip, and you might hit your leg against a sharp rock on the bottom, but you stand up soaked, and and you keep pressing forward despite the weight of the stream. And you, you look around, and you look behind you, and you see where this stream turning into a river is heading. It's heading for a cliff. And there's a waterfall that's deep and immense. And the torrents at the bottom of the waterfall roll and roll. And the only explanation of what would happen at the waterfall is is certain death. And you begin to see that there's other people in this stream and in this river with you. And they don't realize what the destination is. And they keep going with the flow. 
And you're determined not to go that direction. You're determined to go to the place of life, to the place that you're going to persevere. You're going to keep pressing through against the current. And you start to, to grab people around you and say, we can't go that way. We're going we're gonna to reach our demise if we keep going downstream. We have to go to the way of life. We have to go upstream. Come with me. Come with me. Come with me. And you recruit people, and then you grab a hold of others, and they might resist you. They might even punch you in the face and knock you down. They might mock you. And, and say that you're lying. They might say, well, there's not really a waterfall or I'm going to get to the waterfall and I'm going to jump off and fly and it's not going to hurt me. But you know the truth of what would happen as people plummet over the edge and you keep persisting. And I want you to know that suffering is worth the salvation of souls. Suffering is worth going against the pressure and going against the flow Suffering is, is worth falling down and bleeding a little bit and, and keep on keeping on because if we don't, there's sudden doom for people at the end of the journey. We have a hope in Jesus Christ. We suffer because we have hope. We don't go with the flow. We head toward Christ even when there's pressure against us, even when there's waves, even when it's hard, even when people mock us and, and um, go against what we know is true. Pastor Peter wraps up the why of suffering in a nugget at the end of our passage in verse 11. He says, Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. There's some of us in this room who um, have experienced suffering of some sort because of our relationship with Jesus. It, it may be a relationship. It might be just that constant um, drive of uh, going against a temptation that still feels like it has a, a handle on your soul that you keep dying to self daily and you're feeling that pressure. You might feel the suffering of just being weary and tired of keeping going despite the pressure to conform. I want to encourage you to just keep on keeping on. God is faithful. He has called you, and he will finish the work that he has started. There's some of, in the, of us in this room who are actively avoiding suffering because self-denial is hard. It's hard. It's hard to get up and pray. And Peter says, pray. That's a gift of time and energy where you can maybe be sleeping for another five minutes or you could be working for another five minutes to get something done. But God calls us to a place of self-denial. And self-denial is hard. And finally, I want to challenge us, all of us in this room today, before we leave, I want to challenge each of us to pray for the persecuted church every single day this week, whether it's 30 seconds or five minutes or an hour if you want to give that much time, if you have that much time to give. If you need help to know how to pray for, the, for our church family in this world who are really suffering a lot for the Lord, you can go to the Voice of the Martyrs. If you just Google it, it'll come right up, and it'll help you know how to pray. And so we're going to join together this week to pray for the persecuted church around the world. And I just want to pray for you all before we leave here tonight. Lord, I love you, and I'm thankful for your presence. I worship you, God. I praise you. Lord, I praise you for the testimonies in this room. I praise you, God, for my friends who are going upstream with me in life. God, I pray that you would build resilience. I pray that you would build joy. I pray, God, that you would help them to see meaning in the pain and the brokenness and the suffering that they might be experiencing in their life. God, I pray for those who are experiencing 
suffering from empathy and feeling compassion for a certain group of people or maybe an individual in their in their workplace or in their home or in their community. Father, I pray for spiritual insight and wisdom of how they can um, take that empathy and turn it into action, how they can reach that person for Christ. Lord, we love you, and we want the will of God to be at work in us and through us, together as a body, as individuals. We want your will in our homes and our families. God, I pray for those people in this room right now who knows exactly what you are calling them to. Maybe it's a calling out of a certain sin or temptation, or maybe you're calling them to something. Maybe you're moving them somewhere for a place that you have for them to go because that's your will, and your will is always the best way. Lord, I pray for courage to rise up. I pray for faith to rise up and that you would bless them, help them to walk in obedience, help us all to walk in obedience to your will. We love you, Lord. I pray for your protection on my church family uh, this week, God, as we go from here. I pray that you would bless them, bless their families, help them to feel your encouragement in their home. God, if they're in their home by themselves, let their home be a haven. Lord, if they're in their home with other family members or um or housemates, Lord, let your presence rest on your people going out from this place tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for being with us for the Life Together podcast. It's even better when we get to see you in person. You are invited to join us on Wednesday evenings here at Oak Creek Assembly of God. We are a church that exists to reach our world for Christ as we lead people to discover and become who God has created them to be. Find us online at oakcreekag.org.